and welcome to the Food Navigator podcast, your deep dive into the issues shaping the future of food. I'm Food Navigator journalist Flora Southey, and in this episode, we're going to the kitchen cupboard, grabbing some products and scrutinizing their back of pack labeling. I'm looking for clean labels, which might be tricky given there is no definition for this industry term. But anyway, let's have a look what we've got here. So sometimes it's quite easy to identify clean ingredients lists. I've got a packet of pasta here, for example, which contains one ingredient, durum wheat semolina. That's easy, that's clean. And then other factors suggest the clean label concept is more complicated. So I'm looking at some peanut butter now, which yes, contains peanuts, as well as organic sustainable palm oil. So obviously the brand wants to highlight that this palm oil is responsibly sourced. Then looking at a packet of biscuits, it has the chart Harmony label on it, which means that the brand is working with local farmers using environmentally sustainable farming practices. What this suggests is that the clean label concept is evolving. We asked Associate Director of Global Food Science at Mintel, Emma Schofield, what she's observed across European food and beverage. Consumer brand interest in clean ingredients lists in food and drink is a long-standing trend and one that's fundamentally driven by consumer interest in avoiding food and drink products that contain ingredients or additives that are perceived to be unnatural or artificial. And the word perceived is quite key there because consumers actually don't always have a very good understanding of ingredient source, ingredient origin, and whether or not ingredients are or are not natural or artificial. What we see is that use of the term clean on pack is uncommon, and instead producers tend to feature claims that are linked to consumer perception of a clean product, such as no artificial flavors, or other claims like no high fructose corn syrup, or no um, monosodium glutamate. So really looking at the claims that embody consumers' vision of a clean product. The fundamental of a clean label lies with the absence of ingredients and additives that are perceived to be unnatural or artificial, like artificial sweeteners, MSG, nitrates, or artificial flavors. But we also see clean products featuring the absence of heavily refined ingredients. So even if these ingredients aren't additives, ingredients like heavily refined sugars, high fructose corn syrup, for example, modified starches or refined fats like partially hydrogenated oils with trans fats, these are also often incompatible with what consumers believe to be a clean and natural product. And also important to the clean label trend is the use of authentic home style recipes that only contain ingredients that you would find in a recipe if you made the product at home. And this makes things a little complicated because it means that an ingredient could be clean in one product recipe, but not in another, depending on where you would find that ingredient again in a kind of homemade product. So I guess in short, Clean Label is about finding real food ingredients in recipes where you would expect to find those ingredients. Well, if I look at this muesli packet, it contains oats, wheat, barley, wheat flakes, and some nuts. 
These are all the ingredients I would expect to find in this product. So I guess this gets the clean label tick. Obviously not all breakfast cereals are as clean label. I've got another packet here, empty, which contains wheat and sugar and invert sugar syrup. So I confess, I don't know what invert sugar syrup is, but a quick search tells me invert sugar syrup is a syrup mixture of the monosaccharides, glucose and fructose, that is made by hydrolytic saccharification of the disaccharide sucrose. We also see producers delivering clean products through newer kind of spins on the clean label trend. We often see free from claims, so gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free being linked to the clean label trend because many consumers now embrace these diets as a lifestyle trend rather than because of a medical need. And some consumers, therefore, rightly or wrongly, believe that avoiding these allergens or ingredients linked to intolerances is cleaner and healthier. Another key spin on the clean label trend we've seen is the diet trend clean eating. In some countries, the clean label trend supported the emergence of this trendy social media driven diet known as clean eating. And although it's without a formal definition, it's typically defined as a diet whereby followers consume the so-called whole, real, pure and unprocessed foods. And what do you think are the key factors that are driving this evolution towards kind of clean living or uh, home ingredients on ingredients lists? A key reason for the clean label trend and its popularity, long-standing popularity um, as well, stems from consumer interest in natural, whole, real foods. And a key reason why consumers seek natural, whole, real, clean foods is because they believe that they are better for health. Consumers often believe heavily processed and uh, artificial ingredients are bad for health. With some of Mintel's research showing, for example, that 75% of French consumers agree overly processed foods are bad for health, and 49% of Spanish and 50% of Italian consumers agree they avoid products with artificial ingredients in order to eat and drink healthily. So the link between health and naturalness is a really important driver of the clean label trend. Also, we see regulatory activity uh, drive the clean label trend. So in Europe, regulatory activity has played a key role in driving cleaner food and drink labels. Due to regulatory activities such as that linked to the Southampton Six food colours, artificial colours have almost been removed from NPD in regions like Europe. The controversial Southampton Six colours, tartrazine, quilling yellow, sunset yellow, carmesine, ponceau and allura red, hit the headlines in 2007 when researchers linked their use in combination with sodium benzoate to hyperactivity in children. And this really shows that the clean label trend can have significant implications for NPD pipelines across different sectors of the food industry. More recently in Europe, we've seen regulatory restrictions placed on the white food colour titanium dioxide and also restrictions on the use of nitrates in cured meats in France. Again, this activity will continue to drive demand for cleaner alternatives in these relevant categories. What innovative ways are brands responding to evolving clean label consumer demands? So a key way producers can build a cleaner and more natural image into products 
is to link ingredients back to a, a plant source. Often consumers are very reassured by the thought that something has its origins in nature in a plant-based ingredient. So linking ingredients like colouring foods, for example, back to their plant origin, that can often reassure consumers about these ingredients and additives in food and drink. And a good example of a product that aligned to the clean label trend would be Arla's Noor yogurt. And that was promoted and launched around the fact that it just contained two ingredients. So really very strongly aligning to consumer interest in short, simple and clean ingredients lists. So just as consumers link clean and natural attributes with their own health, they link clean and natural attributes with the health of the planet. 56% of US consumers agree natural or organic foods are safer for the environment than conventional foods, and 61% of consumers agree they are healthier. The confluence of clean and green, or human and planetary health, can help to form the next generation of clean labels. What is worth noting, particularly in the case of the two breakfast cereals mentioned, is that the clean label muesli is a premium product. The other, containing sugar and inverted sugar, was a retailer's own brand and one of the cheapest on shelf. So it's worth considering whether all consumers can afford to eat clean label. So while we expect consumer and brand interest in attributes linked to a clean label to remain strong, it's important to remember that for the majority of consumers, attributes like taste and price remain critical. And producers should be mindful of the impact that uh, the use of cleaner ingredients may have on attributes like taste and price, and whether the trade-off will be right for the consumers who buy their product or brand. Emma spoke a lot about natural ingredients. The term natural features heavily on product labels. So going back to this peanut butter product, for example, the label says made with natural ingredients. Natural is of particular interest to consumer group Safe Food Advocacy Europe, or SAFE for short which laments that no definition of natural exists in EU regulation. We asked SAFE Secretary-General Floriana Cimaruzzi what impact this might be having on consumers. I believe it is impacting enormously consumers because actually uh, everything is based on trust. So when we go to buy products and it's written 100% natural, we are convinced it is true and to find out that is not the reality and there is not any definition of natural, it can be really impacting European consumers. It's also impacting them not only for the choices that they make, but for the impact that they think that they're making. This here is Federica Dolce, EU policy manager for SAFE. You know, kind of use the intention of European consumers to willing to contribute to the green transition, while instead they might be choosing actually those products that might not be that sustainable. Could it be that natural means something different to different players? What does natural mean to you? And is that also what natural means to food manufacturers? Well, uh, we, we did some research about it when we were doing our, our campaign. We realised for the consumers what nature means for European consumers. For sure, it means that there are no chemicals. And that's something you cannot imagine that the European consumers believe that buying a food full of different chemical additives while it's written on the food that it's natural 
is not misleading for consumers. So the definition of nature and what we normally believe is something that doesn't come from chemical uh, process. So this is something simple and basic for European consumers. Well, what we have tried to point at was the difference between uh, uh, synthetic and uh, natural. And in our in our uh, report, uh, for example, we um, uh, mentioned the case of the zeaxanthin. Uh, zeaxanthin is carotene that can be uh, used both in uh, its uh, synthetic version or in its natural version. And there have been an implementing act of the Commission uh, changing the labeling and denomination of the substance, removing the asterisk from whether that the zeaxanthin in case it, it was coming from synthetic origin. And that, of course, led to us questioning why there shouldn't be a proper differentiation between natural and synthetic. And that's a definition on which both manufacturer and consumers and researchers and many other stakeholders could agree on. I completely agree on what uh, and everything Federica said. Imagine you're a European consumer, you want to buy a product, and then you have, I written this word, accenting, what is this? But there is not the word synthetic, so you don't know what it is, but you stay maybe why European consumers shouldn't know when an additive or when a product is of synthetic origin, natural origin. If it's too complicated to define natural, at least inform us when it's synthetic and not synthetic, the, the same product. I think it's a basic knowledge uh, consumers should know. How does this feed into the environmental piece? I'm wondering whether defining natural could help limit the amount of greenwashing in the market, for example. Something we are working on uh, for the greenwashing initiative of the Commission and uh, the empowering consumers towards a green transition for the green claims. Uh, what we are advocating for is that the correct use of the labeling nature can actually help consumers finding products that are, for example, biodegradable. Biodegradability is a condition that is strictly connected with uh, a product being natural. It really depends on what will be decided, but surely if a product is biodegradable and is correctly advertised to consumers, then that for sure will have a positive impact on the environment. Yeah, there are many consumers who really are willing to do those changing, are willing to buy more natural products, are really willing to to support the fight against greenwashing, and they really want to buy the correct products. But of course, if the if the information are not there and the information are not correct, and they are misleading, they would like to, but they cannot participate to this fight because it's not possible because they don't have the the information they need to have actually. I know that SAFE has been campaigning for a legal definition of natural for a while. Why do you think that there's been resistance? Because industry doesn't want to define uh, what some industries doesn't want to define what nature is because you can easily put on your package 100% biodegradable, 100% produit naturel in French, 100% natural products and is much better for them to sell the products. So it's a marketing thing. If we define it, above all, if it's defined in a strict way, it means that a lot of industry who supposed to use on, on their own products uh, 100% uh, natural, they cannot use it anymore. And it's a marketing thing. You sell more of the products. And second thing, I think it is very important because 
there are many industries, on the contrary, they are very serious on this. Because when we did the research and we realized that some products were truly natural, it's not that everybody, every, every single labeling was misleading. There were some who were very correct. And those industry needs to have the possibility to use natural on their food labeling because it's correct they do. There were a lot of effort energy expenses to really have products who are truly natural. So consumer needs to know and needs to buy those products if for them it is important. But there are other industries that they use natural just for marketing reason. And that's the case what's happening in the EU. And we should find a way to stop this. You know, it's a complicated topic as well, because once you define it for for food, then you can also see that it's overused the, the term natural in the cosmetic world, in uh, the supplement world, in, in in really a lot of different markets. So I think one, in addition to what Florian mentioned, I completely agree on, I think another obstacle to the definition comes also to the complexity <laughs> to adapt it to different contexts. But this should not be actually a, a fear, but rather an encouragement because indeed it could actually lead really to have a huge push in different sectors from a market perspective, from an environmental perspective, from a consumer protection perspective. It could really be an incredible opportunity to help the market and people directioning the demand to products that are truly sustainable. It can be a bit of a minefield for consumers looking for healthy, natural, chemical-free minimally processed foods with low levels of additives. I have a packet of chocolate here, which uh, is fair trade certified, so so that's great. It's a dark chocolate, uh, but sugar is the main ingredient, which for health reasons may not be ideal. It contains an emulsifier, uh, but that emulsifier is sunflower lecithin. And I don't know how this chocolate product compares to other products in the category. French startup Yuka launched a smartphone app back in 2017 to help consumers understand the health profile of food products. And going a step further, if a product is deemed to have a negative impact on human health, Yuka recommends an alternative product within the same category. We caught up with co-founder François Martin to ask what consumers want from their food. What are they most concerned about on PAC? The consumer are really concerned about um, the relation between food and their health. And that's a starting point of uh, UK, in fact. And uh, they are mainly concerned about uh, sugar, uh, sugar rates, salt, and additives. Additives are all the chemical substances that are added to a product to give them uh, special properties like uh, preservatives, um, sweeteners, um, colorants, etc. <laughs> And some have, uh, some present a risk for your health, um, and consumers are really, really concerned about that. How does Yuka help consumers select products that don't have these additives or preservatives in them? Uh, so we developed an application which uh, scans the barcode of uh, the product and based on the nutrition facts and the ingredient list, we give uh, each product a score. And we class each product in four categories, bad, uh, poor, good or excellent for your health. And this can help uh, the consumer to have a, a synthetic view of uh, 
if a product is good or not for your health, but you can uh, dig further in the product sheet to understand why your product might be bad because it contains too much sugar, for example, or too too many additives, or uh, if a product is good uh, because it has a high, uh, high rate of fibers, for example, or protein, etc. How did you choose the parameters for yucca? For example, whether a product is organic or whether it contains certain additives or whether it's high in protein or, or fiber. How did you select those? It's a, it's a complicated question because uh, we mix multiple uh, dimensions and there is no consensus on, uh, on this. Uh, but with yucca, we wanted to make a synthetic view. So we had to mix uh, those different dimensions. So we talked uh, with a lot of nutritionists, and after a long time, we it was clear that there is um, there is a, a magnitude of impact. Uh, the, the the most important things is uh, the nutritional value of a product. That's why it represents 60% of the score. And after comes a degree of transformation in the degree of uh, product that is a highly transformative, uh, uh, most of the time contains lots of additives. Uh, so this represents 30% of the score. And um, the last part is uh, organic dimension, which is um, 10% only of the score because uh, the impact of uh, pesticides has an impact on your health, but it's, uh, it's not in a big, uh, in a big proportion. So what we did, we ranked the parameters, like 60%, 30%, 10%. But of course, you can always discuss these parameters and you can argue that it might be 65% uh, or 55%. uh, There is no uh, evidence on that. And have the parameters evolved over time to meet changing consumer demands? No, we don't try to meet the consumer demand. We want to establish a score that represents if a product is good or bad for your health. So it's not related to consumer demand. Maybe consumers want a product without additives and don't care about sugar. That might be the point, but we don't want to build a scoring that match consumer expectation. We want to build a scoring that represents if a product is good or not for human health. That's a great approach. What kind of impact has the has the app had on the market? I wonder whether you believe that brands might have reformulated their products in response to Yuka. Um, yes, in fact, every day we see a lot of uh, products being reformulated. We don't know exactly if it's thanks to Yuka, but we see a big trend uh, over uh, the last five years, at least in Europe, um, where we see that uh, manufacturers, brands are improving their composition. And some uh, has uh, told that it was thanks to Yuka. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, Nestle. Uh, I'm, think, I'm thinking about Intermarché, which is the um, third biggest distributor in France. And they said that thanks to Yuka, or because of Yuka, they removed uh, uh, 140 additives of their product and reformulated uh, 900 products uh, of their brand. So yes, it has an impact, but it's always a bit harder to know if it's because the brand just makes a better product, which I hope, or if it's because they are forced to do, uh, because the consumer really uh, really cares about that. I wonder what you see for the future of this app, the future of UCAD. Are there any other parameters that you would consider including 
within the algorithm? For example, I'm not sure animal welfare or are there any others that you'd consider? Yes, um, we, we don't work on animal welfare. Um, it's, an, it's an important uh, subject that we, <laughs> we did not work on that yet. Um, we work a lot on the environmental impact. Uh, in fact, in France, we started a current system, which is available since uh, last year, just in France, uh, to evaluate how much uh, a product emit of um, CO2 equivalent or water, soil toxicity, etc. But that's a big project and it's hard to scale at the, in other countries, so we are going to do it uh, step by step. But we hope to open new countries uh, next year for this uh, environmental score. Is that environmental score incorporated into the current UCA app? Yes, but it's a different score. You have to score a score about your health, a score about uh, the environment. Like, for example, uh, meat is good for your health, at least not uh, really meat, but uh, there is more um, chicken. But it's not uh, ideal for the environment, for example. So it's two separate scores. While in crystal ball gazing mode, I checked back in with Mintel's Associate Director of Global Food Science, Emma Schofield, to ask what she believes the future holds for the clean label trend. So I think the future of the clean label trend is a very bright future. Consumer interest in natural attributes in food and drink remains very, very strong. In future, I think there'll be more attention, not just to the ingredients that food and drink products are made with, but also the processing techniques, the degree of processing and the type of processing that a food and drink product and its ingredients have been made by. So I think we'll see increasing attention towards processing as well as the ingredients used in food and drink products. Although processing isn't necessarily linked to nutrition, we've recently seen lots of attention towards the topic of ultra processed foods, lots of research going on links ultra-processed food consumption negatively with health. And classification systems like NOVA and SEGA, which score foods according to their degree and type of processing, rather than nutrition alone, they're sort of also receiving a fair bit of attention at present. For example, in France, the French National Programme for Nutrition and Health set a target of a 20% reduction of consumption of ultra-processed foods in France by 2022. And this could draw attention to different processing techniques. Many processing techniques resonate quite positively with consumers on natural clean grounds. Um, these tend to be the processing techniques that are more traditional than industrial or factory focused. Things like stone ground, sun dried, naturally fermented are likely to resonate positively where health and naturalness are concerned in uh, comparison to some of the more modern industrial factory, if you like, techniques. And consequently, producers should consider the degree and type of processing a product has been subject to as part of the next generation of clean label. 61% of UK consumers agree ultra-processed foods are bad for health, for example. Another key area to think about in terms of next generation clean label is the topic of natural nutrition. So in addition to looking at uh, what to take out of products when developing a clean label from a kind of additive perspective, the technical characteristics that are delivered by additives, also consider what could be added into a product to deliver a clean image. 
Many consumers believe in the health-boosting powers of natural ingredients like botanicals, such as ginseng or the so-called superfruits like blueberries. And we see that uh, 71% of French consumers prefer foods with natural health-boosting ingredients like ginger and turmeric to fortified ones with added vitamins. In addition to processing and natural nutrition, we are also seeing opportunities to link clean with green. And by this, I mean linking naturalness, not just to human health, but also to the environment and to the health of the planet. Um, so producers can look at not just unwanted ingredients in food and drink products, but also unwanted substances that wouldn't ever have featured on the ingredients lists. So things like, for example, the endocrine disrupting chemicals, PFAS chemicals, known as the forever chemicals, the impact these have on health has been discussed quite a lot in science and the media. And so my question is, could claims like PFAS free join claims like hormone, antibiotic, pesticide free to form the next generation of clean labels, almost blurring the boundaries between conventional and organic foods. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Food Navigator podcast. I hope you'll join us next time.